This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we are committed to building professional development systems, including project management and people leadership programs that support the growth of engineers and their firms. Download our AE Industry Trends Report for insights on the great resignation, remote work productivity, and people-centric cultures. To get your copy, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Kiros Holstavs. He's an engineer at AECOM, working in transportation, and he's the co-lead of the World Federation of Engineering Organizations Young Engineers slash Future Leaders Working Group on Climate Action. We will be talking about sustainable development and innovation in engineering and how engineers, especially young engineers, can bridge the science policy divide in climate action. I'm your host, Jeff Perry. I'm the founder of More Than Engineering. You can find more information at jeff-perry.com. And this is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast brought to you by EMI. This is the first podcast dedicated to helping engineers and technical professionals with both their personal and professional development. Now I'm excited to jump into the main segment of our episode. Today I have with me Kiros Holstavs. He's an engineer from AECOM in the UK working on sustainability in the UK and across the globe. Kiros, welcome to the Engineering Career Coach podcast. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. You've got a, a vast background, even though you're pretty early in your career. I'd love to have you tell our audience a little bit about your background, but mostly focus on what does your current role look like? What's kind of a day in the life for you at AECOM and working in the transportation sector? So I have an integrated master's degree in civil and structural engineering from Newcastle University in the UK. I started my career as a bridge engineer, so very focused on structural engineering. But uh, all the four years that I've been working, I've sort of been transitioning into sustainability. But now I strongly believe that it's pretty much every engineer's role to think about sustainability. But if I talk about my role, essentially I work within ACOMS, rails, structures, and ground engineering sector. I'm a bridge engineer, I'm splitting my time between structure engineering, doing inspections and assessments of bridges, and then secondly, trying to advance net zero and sustainability in the bridges sector and the wider industry. So working in sustainability consulting. What was the, the big impetus and, and the interest for you with really pushing on the sustainability aspect of the work that you're doing? Where did that passion come from? I think even before joining university, I've always been passionate about this topic and just thinking how we can um, enhance our positive impact on the environment rather than continue with negative impacts. And uh, I would say from professionally, when I started working, I really embraced the idea of, you know, leaving a positive lasting legacy from our work. And um, I think for engineers as well, it's um, really a part of our professional responsibility because engineers are people who have the privilege of shaping the world that we live in. And this comes with certain responsibilities and expectations from society as well. And uh, I think now it is very clear that we cannot continue business as usual and the, the practices we've been doing for decades and decades. We need to rapidly evolve our practices in order to integrate sustainability in, into everything that we do and in order to secure better outcomes of society, which also includes 
social and economic outcomes as well. There's all sorts of impacts and opportunity in the sustainability aspect. And, and I love that you're talking about the, the social and the economic stuff, not just the impact on planet and things like this that spans all sorts of different types of impacts here. Now, even in just the few years that you've been early in your career out, out of university, it's impressive. You've been recognized with a number of awards, like a new civil engineer award and contribution to net zero and constructing excellence and a future leader award. So tell me about what these awards mean for you personally and how driving towards them, or, or maybe they're just indications of something else that's, you know, some of that passion that you have and, and everything that we've been talking about. Well, as well as I think there are two types of awards. So there's one type of award, which is very special, where someone else nominates you. But uh, I think on the other hand, you shouldn't shy away from nominating yourself for awards and applying for awards. And sometimes it could be done strategically as well. On my side, I think the awards that I have received have recognized kind of my drive and in terms of implementation of sustainability principles. I've been all the past number of years, so pretty much since I've started working, I've been putting a lot of volunteering hours to advance what I really believe in. And I've been developing initiatives outside of work. I've been trying to develop initiatives inside of work as well. So doing some entrepreneurship and seeing how we can advance and evolve our business practices in order to shift our business models towards sustainable ones and really ones that accelerate the globalization as much as possible. The second type of awards, which is, uh, you know, ones that you nominate yourself for, sometimes you're looking at how you can make a certain connection to an organization and get a recognition for this initiative in order to advance this further. So, you know, personally, I'm not striving to get this recognition as a person, but actually for a particular initiative in order for this initiative to be even more impactful and generate better outcomes. And uh, I think the words that, that I have received have really helped with that as well and connect me to other great and passionate individuals who really helped to advance the cause further. Well, it's great to get a personal award and, and that helps you feel good. But really it's about, hey, if you get that award, it increases the awareness and the publicity around the initiative that you're working on. That's what you're really trying to accomplish there and trying to accelerate and connect with the right people can get those things done to push things forward is really what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll certainly encourage people, if there's something innovative or something you want to showcase to others that is best practice and what is possible, definitely don't shy away from sharing your knowledge and, uh, you know, applying for those awards as well. I want to talk more about the sustainability need and opportunity here in general. So when we think about sustainability and the innovation that's needed to make it happen and, and progress things forward, there are some challenges there, right? So there's a work that can be done, but there's also like this divide between science and policy, what we know about what's going on, how we make that happen, but policies that will allow different things to happen in various governments across the world. So how do engineers serve a role in starting to bridge that gap and taking that proactive approach to move things forward, the innovation and the execution in projects like this? So since COP26, UNFCCC COP is essentially the flagship UN climate summit, an event which tries to advance the world on its path to tackling climate change. So essentially I've been taking part in COPs since uh, 2021. And this year, 
for COP28, which will happen in Dubai at the end of November and the first couple of weeks of December, there will be a global stock take of the Paris Agreement, where we'll evaluate our progress against the goals of the Paris Agreement and this hugely important target of limiting climate change to 1.5 degrees Celsius, which we know will allow us to limit and avoid the worst effects of climate change. And uh, we know for sure that we're significantly off track in uh, all the key areas. And uh, we're even the countries who see themselves as climate leaders in many aspects, including the US, the policy in many aspects lags behind. Really, the policy and policymakers tend to play the catch-up game and the industry showing what's possible and industry building the maturity. In terms of the, the role that engineers can play, where you need to show the policymakers what the industry is ready for and what can be implemented today and what can be implemented in the next couple of years and the years to come and where how can work jointly to get together in order to achieve those sustainable outcomes. And it is very clear that both policymakers and the industry need to work very closely together in order to accelerate the action. And this is something that we refer to as top-down and bottom-up approaches and a way to combine them together. So in terms of innovation, say if we consider the engineering space, we often talk about standards and engineers work, you know, very, very closely and pay attention to the standards. And this is something that we're judged against as well. Often those don't keep up with the space or the pace of development of innovation and with the pace that we need to implement changes with, with regards to sustainable development and climate change. So it is something that we need to work closely with clients and policymakers to adopt and to see how we can evolve our practices in order to accelerate sustainable development and actually achieve those hugely important goals that we have set uh, in front of ourselves. In all of this, the, the word that keeps coming to mind is collaboration, right? Like we need to be collaborating with the engineers who are creating the designs, the innovations to progress some of the, the infrastructure forward, but also with the policymakers. But also there's probably collaboration beyond just the policymakers, right? There's a lot of people involved to make this happen. You know, engineers across different disciplines, people are in the construction field and, and architecture and, and all sorts of other fields. Can you just elaborate a little bit more on how engineers can help collaborate within all the different players in this industry to move things forward? Absolutely. And I'd like to get back to one point that was mentioned in the very beginning of our conversation is the socioeconomic outcomes as well. One of the very positive and good things is that those positive socioeconomic and financial outcomes are actually interlinked with acting on sustainable development and collaborative approaches. So it has been shown that utilizing collaborative approaches and working jointly together rather than as separate players which are only kind of strictly abiding by their contracts and not talking to each other very much. So the collaborative approaches allow us to not only to enhance the value in terms of environmental outcomes, but also in terms of financial outcomes and uh, really deliver something which is better value for money as well. The engineers show, so in the EKSA we have an example which is an area which is being rapidly advanced at the moment. It's related to PAST 2018, which is a collaborative standard for organizations in the civil engineering and uh, kind of wider construction industry, which is divided broadly 
into several key players. So there is uh, asset owners and mostly clients. There is um, designers, engineers who are working on kind of consulting and design space. There's constructors, people who actually build the infrastructure. And then there is the uh, manufacturers and kind of the supply chain from the manufacturers. So it's people who say who provide the materials and all of them need to work together in order to consider the most efficient approaches, how we can identify synergies, how can we influence the wider system. Also the levels of maturity of different players sometimes can be different. So how can we share knowledge within ourselves? How can I implement continuous learning approaches? So all of that is uh, incredibly important. And that's something which has been rapidly evolving all the past couple of years since the standards introduction in 2016. And I think this is where the global industry is moving as well. And what we see, those collaborative approaches really allow us to work jointly together and make the kind of mind shift and the industry shift to achieve those sustainable outcomes. Yeah, it's so interesting to think about how many different things are affected when you're trying to put something in place. Now, a lot of times in engineers, we're kind of in our focus of like, okay, what's the optimization of the engineering design or something like that, right? Or, or the implementation or working on our processes to get things done faster or something like that. But when we're talking about infrastructure and sustainability, looking at all those different impacts and the people that need to collaborate together to make that happen and to have the impact that we're really trying to have on the sustainability outcomes, but how is that going to impact the people who are using the infrastructure we're creating? There's just so many different things there. And we probably have a bunch of young engineers who are listening to the podcast here who say, hey, I have interest. I recognize there, there's a need and opportunity to think about sustainability and do my part to kind of shape the industry. What are your thoughts here, Kirill's, on how young engineers can really play a vital role in moving things forward and, and working on that collaborative effort with all the different players to keep moving forward? I think young engineers have an absolute vital role to play in this. And uh, in general, young people are more in this rapidly evolving space. Young people are better positioned in terms of rapidly evolving their understanding, their knowledge and their practice as well, because when you are a very experienced engineer and a very experienced professional with a lot of responsibilities as well, you know, sometimes those approaches tend to kind of stick and in general for more experienced people, sometimes the cultural shift is more difficult. For young people at the moment, I think the sustainable thinking and the collaborative spirit is pretty much ingrained in their minds already from university. And this is something which is helping very much in terms of those challenges of status quo and trying to change the business practices and how we operate. And that's something which is ongoing really now as businesses are adopting their practices as they're seeking to align with new standards, which are collaborative standards such as PAS 2018. And also just as an example from ACOM, when I first joined ACOM, so had this graduate development event where all the graduates from ACOM, so the new joiners, came together to a single event, so from all over the UK, and uh, collaborated and we got to know each other better, we considered different perspectives. And there was an interesting survey which was done live. Our management have asked us what do we think should be the biggest kind of contribution 
of income to society and what should be the purpose of the company. And the vast majority of young professionals specifically indicate that our role should be tackle climate change. And young people are really passionate about this. And also secondly, like coming out of universities, I think our knowledge is very fresh and we're also able to really apply the state-of-the-art approaches in the industry and continue shifting you know, the status quo from almost day one that we joined the industry. Recognizing that that passion's high, the fresh, the open to new ideas and wanting to go make an impact and get in there, there's a lot of energy there for young engineers. Now, sometimes a challenge in kind of getting into it, there's, there might be some imposter syndrome and say, hey, these people are more experienced. What do I really have to contribute? Especially when we think about some of the things around like the policy side of things. So like, hey, I'm a young engineer. What do I really have to say with regards to this? But you've been involved early in your career in some of these opportunities and, and conferences and things like this. Can you just share some examples of how you've seen young engineers have a, an impact even early on in their careers in these settings that maybe are more traditionally meant for people who have been around a while? Young people and young engineers are driving change on all kinds of political platforms and both at their local level, at their national level in their country, and also on international stages. I've been a part of a group called Young Engineers Future Leaders Working Group on Climate Action, which is a part of the World Federation of Engineering Organizations, which represents 30 million engineers in 100 countries. We really try to represent the global voice of young engineers on major international platforms, such as COP summits, such as G20, G7, etc. Throughout the year, as we prepare for a particular summit, we come up with all recommendations, we analyze what does the industry need and how can we bridge the science policy divides in a practical and a feasible way, trying to connect the industry and policymakers. And what we've been doing as we go to those summits, we set up meetings of policymakers, sometimes formal meetings where, you know, there's a dedicated meeting room, you know, a minister comes with their aides, and then we discuss very specific policy recommendations, but sometimes can be as informal, like by the nature of those summits, as informal as catching someone in between the meeting and saying, look, this issue is very important to us and I would like to talk to you. And, and also as young people, I think we are very keen to keep policymakers accountable in that because it is our future, which is at stake. I think in terms of the imposter syndrome, of course, it's a learning process, but as you get engaged more, you're able to navigate the space better. However, the spectrum of youth can be incredibly diverse. So have, say, people from of 18 years old or 18 years of age who are, say, joined university and just are contributing their volunteering hours and interested in this, but may not have experience, may not have all the right skills, but are still very passionate about the issue. But then on the other end of the spectrum, you could have people who are like 30 years old and uh, like according to the end, the definition of a young person is uh, anyone under 35 years old. So if you're around 30, you can have a PhD in a particular area. You can have a decade of experience in an industry. You can be still extremely energetic and passionate about something. And sometimes if you're, well, if you're a specialist, you can actually know more about a particular area than a given policymaker that you're talking to. And your advice in that regard, your professional advice is really available. 
And so just recognizing that no matter where you're at, you can get involved, you can learn and grow from where you're at and seek to find ways to contribute. So in the world, obviously, there's all sorts of work to continue to do to address climate challenges and sustainable development. So any other pieces of advice that you might give to other young engineers out there who say, I want to make a positive impact in the industry and in the society as a whole, what advice would you give to them? So my number one advice would be, don't be afraid to challenge the status quo and just share your opinion. In most companies who are progressive leaders of thinking and who create welcoming environments, so environments where everyone's welcome and where everyone's opinions is welcome, I think it is very valuable for you to voice your opinion and actually try to ask those difficult questions as well. Why are we not doing this practice or why are we still doing this? when the rest of the industry or certain players have moved on. And as you do that, try to build your business skills as well. So if you're passionate about something, consider what is the pathway to implementation of what it is you want to achieve. What is the actual business case for it? So if you want to develop a sustainability strategy for a company, what is the market demanding? Like how high can you aim? How can you advocate for it in, a, in an efficient and a feasible way? Kirill's such a fun conversation and I'm loving your passion and obviously you've been putting a whole lot of time and effort into doing what you can from where you're at to progress things forward. At this point, we're going to transition into our Take Action Today segment where we'll get one final piece of actionable advice from Kirill's. We'll be right back. Now we're back for our Take Action Today segment of the show. Kirill, we've talked about a whole lot of things that young engineers in particular can do to progress the world of sustainability. There still may feel some trepidation or, or challenge between like seeing an opportunity in the industry or in their organization for something they need to do. What action would you suggest that they take to go from there's this gap between what needs to be done and and what they're doing now to close that gap and, and move things forward from their perspective. My number one piece of advice would be to take responsibility and take personal leadership for implementing your initiative. Don't wait for anyone else to act because you're the person who sees this opportunity. And ultimately, if you act on it, not only benefits the environment and society, say, if it's linked to sustainable development, but it also benefits yourself professionally you'll develop great skills which will benefit your career. And at the same time, you'll help drive the culture change in your organization through changing and taking responsibility yourself. I love that focus on, you see that need, you see the opportunity, go take that ownership and, and go be a leader today instead of waiting for someone to give you that opportunity. It's great. So thanks so much for this conversation. You've got so much to share and you're involved in a whole lot of things. If people are interested in connecting with you or learning more about some of the initiatives that you're involved in, where would you point that? Follow me on LinkedIn. Feel free to get in touch on LinkedIn as well. I'll be more than happy to explain what we're doing and uh, happy to connect with you. Thanks so much and wish you nothing but continued success as you move forward with a lot of the great work that you're doing. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, and questions. You can go to engineeringmanagementinstitute.org where you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in the episode as well as links to any of the resources or websites that we mentioned in the episode. And don't forget to check out any upcoming live webinars this month at the website as well. 
Additionally, for any engineers who feel like they need extra help taking the next career step or finding clarity in their careers, I've created some free training resources with an opportunity to join a more intensive program called the Engineering Career Accelerator. You can find more information at engineeringcareeraccelerator.com or you can go grab my career clarity checklist found at www.engineeringcareeraccelerator.com slash career dash clarity. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your engineering endeavors. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff, but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.